0: Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to the 20-somethings podcast. The gang, we back with it. Black History Month edition. Yeah. We here. You know, we got yeah. everybody in the building. Everybody, you know, let's get a roll call going. What's good? What's, What's good? good? All right. How are you? What's good, Nick? Nick Nack. Hey, yo. Mellow, What's up? What's
1: up? Fifi.
2: What it do?
0: And you know, today guys, we got a special guest today, you know. Um, introduce yourself. Tell us tell us your name, who you are.
3: What's up, that. y'all? Um, my name is Kosiba Oshodi Glover, but I go by Coco and I go by Kosi. Um, I I am a filmmaker. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm fam, you like, you know, my day ones, you know, church days, you know what I'm saying, so.
4: <laughs> How long have you known so, yeah. Melody and uh, Fiend for? I know. Oof. We
3: just talked, just talking about Elmo. <laughs>
4: um,
3: <laughs> I've known Fiend and Melody, I think I was 10, I think the first time I went to Cornerstone. I, so I don't know what makes, what age y'all were, but I was, I've known them since I was 10, so. Five. wow
2: I go. so if you were 10 I was eight now okay. was six
3: yeah
0: I was about five. y'all go Dang, way back
3: that's yeah that's crazy and then even David you know peeped our head into solid rock a couple times so yeah all right you yeah, <laughs> yeah. used to play the keyboard sometimes right yeah.
0: <laughs> hell <not.
3: laughs> I, I was thinking. That. No. <laughs> are you sure? They've had you on stage not once. Well, no, nah, nah, I've been on stage. I,
4: down, I, I was, I, I did. Oh. Okay, I was like, yeah, i remember you on stage, stage though. You know some regular church stuff, but nah, no, no piano. I'm not a. Okay. No wait, no yo, don't do that. Because I used to <laughs> play <laughs> play <laughs> back, back in, and I wasn't. Yeah, and what? I was Jasmine, okay. but
0: let's don't not die. let's not get
3: real. I'm just
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not get in there. Let's not get in there. But yeah, so yeah, it's
3: been a bit though. That's cool.
0: As we all know, it's Black History Month, so, you know, we yeah, wanted yeah. to have, you know, some episodes this month of February dedicated to, like, Black creatives and everything. And then um, also just talking about, you know, some Black topics, some Black issues going on. So uh, so last week, um, there was, like, a Twitter spaces that, you know, some of us were hearing about, right? Uh, Ari, could you, like, kind of give a little background on what that spaces yeah, was about?
4: Yeah, so um, there's this guy. His name is Mel on Twitter. He's kind of like a pretty normal Mm -hmm. user on there. Um, But from like looking at his page, he's a really um, pro-black individual. Uh, And particularly what he likes to talk about is like the whole Africans and African-Americans. I don't want to call it a war, but kind of like a struggle, a conflict with regards to certain topics. So he started a space... um, Basically, the space was titled, um, I don't know the exact title verbatim, but it was essentially, uh, Are Immigrants Contributing to African Americans While Here? And I think it was was kind of targeted towards Africans. Um, And uh, the space ran for a really, really long time. It ran for, I want to say, like over eight hours. And it got so big that um, a well-known... I don't know what he is. He's an activist. He's a, He's definitely a figure in the black community. His name is Tariq Nasheed. He basically, for lack of a better word, hijacked the spaces and then conducted it and started running it, and he really be, became the real host. I think it ended up being one of the biggest spaces ever on Twitter. Um, and, it, yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty much the short of it. I think we'll get into more details later.
3: So it's... Um is spaces like um the same thing as like exactly. clubhouse.
4: Exactly.
0: Yeah. So Yeah, it's okay. basically the yeah. same thing for Twitter. Okay.
3: What 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 like the
4: main conversation that came out of that is um Africans in general um like the question is like do Africans really even owe that to African Americans? My whole problem with the space was the prompt of the space implied that. So it's like what is Africans purpose as they're coming from Nigeria or wherever country um, in America. And I think that's why we wanted to bring on Coco, because I think she has a unique perspective in that she's not only a uh, black American, but she's also African. So she has both halves. So that's why we want kind of wanted to bring her in and get a different kind of perspective in that in that room.
3: So what were they saying in the space? It's like what triggered everybody? um do, does any of you guys want to talk to that, to
4: that a little bit or i could go go into that
0: i think like um uh, so like the prompt like Ara was saying was like what do african or what do africans do for like african-americans like in general like so i think that prompt was kind of like insinuating that since you know i think africans kind of i guess sold out african-americans originally and like they came to america like they should owe them something so a lot of africans kind of like took that like uh like what do you mean do we like owe you something like do we really even owe like you know something to africans Americans so like I think that's where the argument kind of stemmed from, and it kind of went from there to like other stuff too, so okay.
3: yeah, that's crazy,
0: yeah what what do you think about that like
3: I mean, I certainly don't think. <clears throat> I don't think anybody owes anybody anything, like, to start off. But, like, mm-hmm. just within the constant context of that conversation, um, yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I guess, like, like you said, like, I have a really unique experience. My, my mom's black and then my dad's Nigerian. And so, um, on the weekends, like, it almost felt like I really did live in, like, two different worlds. Like, Monday through Friday, I was black. And then on the weekends, I was, like, Nigerian every other weekend. Mm-hmm. And so... With that, um, I know growing up, like, surprisingly, like, growing up, like, you know, I feel like Africans, like, being African, I was teased by a lot of black kids, like, about being African, like, the whole clicking of the tongue Mm. and, like, African booty scratcher, like, all sorts of -of out-of-pocket things. And so, I feel like we were, like, you know, there was a divide divide in that sense. Um, But, I like, again, like, I don't think anybody owes anybody anything, like... Again, like, you know, like we're all from the same place. Like, you know, the diaspora just spread us out throughout the world, but we're all still like black, even in the like in a universal sense. Like, you go to Paris, you're still black. You go, you in America, you're still black. Like, you know, we all have the same experiences. So,
0: um, Faye, you you saw the spaces too, right? Did you hear about it?
3: No,
2: I deleted Twitter like a year and a half ago, but I heard about it from you guys. So, um, Basically, I mean, this war will always happen to the end of time because it's such a deep divide, especially when it comes to African Americans and I guess like Africans straight from Africa. Um, like what Nikki was saying when we were having one of our FaceTime calls, I think it's because Africans didn't really go through the same trauma as African Americans, being torn away from their roots, family, everything they needed wanted to know, needed to know to survive in their own culture and society that they had in Africa, now thrown into a brand new world, you don't know where your family is, you don't speak the language, and I think that trauma has kind of run deep, and just based on, like, society and different stereotypes that have been pushed out there, it's kind of breeds the ground for... Well, you guys are wrong because you sold us out. Well, you guys are... It's just like stereotypes against stereotypes. And honestly, I don't see a resolve for any time soon, but hopefully there will be one.
4: I think um, for me, this was like an eye-opening thing. Because this diaspora war, I've only ever heard of it on like the most trivial topics, like things that don't matter, like stupid stuff. But I didn't know the extent to which African-Americans have this ideology in america like that was kind of what surprised me the most um just hearing them say like they do feel like african immigrants are coming and taking their jobs like rhetoric you hear from republicans about mexicans you know what i'm saying so it was like like the idea of that was just very Mm -hmm. crazy to me and like
0: another thing that they kept bringing like up right because for example, Nigerians, right, when they come to America, I think they're probably, like, one of the most, like, uh, successful immigrant groups, like, when they travel to America and, like, get jobs and stuff. So, like, the Tariq guy kept, like, bringing up, like, so if you guys can do that here, why don't you do that back in Nigeria? Like, why don't you do that, that back in Africa? And I was, like, kind of thinking, like, like, why is that? Like, is there, like, a reason? Like, I don't... Like, do you guys have any idea why that is? Like, why Nigerians, like, kind of come to America and, like, they're able to, like, do so many, like, great things and stuff like that, but in Nigeria, you can't really see that, so...
1: Um, can you guys hear me? <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I feel like because in Nigeria, like, the structure and foundation of the country in general, it doesn't allow for people to, like to, I don't want to say achieve their dreams and, you know, like move further, but kind of in a way, like people are worried about just surviving, at least from like what I've seen. Let me not like generalize, but people are worried about surviving. People are worried about what they're going to eat, like getting water, just like basic necessities like that. So everybody's dream is to come to America and prosper. So I feel like to say, to say, oh, why can't you do that in your country? It's kind of like a slap in the face because it's like just like there's struggles here, it struggles there too. So you can't really like say, "Oh, go back to your country and do that," because it's like you don't know what I went
3: through to get here. You know,
0: that's very true, Coco. Like, do you have any like opinion on that?
3: Yeah, I was gonna say like um, for sure, like you know, America is painted as this country is like the land of opportunity. <clears throat> so like she was saying, I feel like there's just more opportunities available um, to to succeed. Um, and really, like if you work hard and, you know, that's one thing Nigerians definitely do like, you know, instill that hard work like in themselves and their ch- children. So um, what was your experience
4: yeah. with that? Like at home, because I know um, that that would probably be like a, maybe maybe it's not as much of a. What is your experience with that? Let me it was, that. yeah,
3: I was going to say it was kind of like some things I feel like were like counteractive each other. Like, so at my dad's house, like, I felt like my dad was a little more strict, and a little more disciplined. So like, for example, on Saturday mornings, like if we were at his house, like the first thing you do when you wake up is you pray and then you clean and then you shower and then you eat breakfast. Like <laughs> there, you, there was no you know, like skipping one of them tasks like that was in that order like every single, you know, every single weekend and like church, like Sundays, every single Sunday. My mom, like at her house, it was a little more relaxed. So like, she still expects us to do chores, you know, Um, we still went to church. But you know, some Sundays we might get up and like, you know, miss church or like, you know, we, you know, she just expects the chores to get done at some point in Sunday, on Saturday. So she would give us a little freedom. Like sometimes we wake up and go watch cartoons first. Like, you know, so it was definitely like a lot more disciplined at his house um, than, you know, like living with my mom. So, like, there are a lot of, diff- I saw a lot of different aspects of, like, you know, growing up Nigerian and then grow- going home and, like, going back, you know, it was a more lax lifestyle at my mom's house. So, I did like being at my mom's house more than I liked being at my dad's because it, it was like, lit. she allowed us to- yeah.
0: So. <laughs> That's cool. A call. Um also Coco, just another question. Like, um, since you kinda saw like both sides, right? Like from your dad's side and your mom's mm-hmm. side, like when you were growing up, did you see like kind of like any like maybe like culturally like animosity towards each other? Like, man, those Africans are like, oh the African Americans, like did you ever like really see that? Like when you mm-hmm. were growing up, like from both sides?
3: Um, <laughs> um I think yeah, like I think definitely like I think you know. Both of my parents made comments about you know the other you know part, like the other culture. Mm-hmm. So like you know like my mom was always just like oh you know yo dad Nigerian like you wake up and wake up the whole house <laughs> on the phone at six o'clock in the morning yelling at the top of lungs <laughs> and like you know like my dad would like say some comments about like you know if, if like like the like sometimes like if we go to you know like Nigerians have parties like. My dad was so adam- adamant about me and my sister like dressing up for them. Like the kids would come come to the party in shorts and t shirts, and like he'd make sure we come in d- a dress. And he'd be like, "No, I don't want you guys out there looking ghetto." And da da da. And I was just like, so kid, "Shorts and a t shirt not yeah. ghetto." So like, I did. It was like a little flip floppy sometimes, um, but it was no, also like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, continue, continue. I would say there was there was some like you know um, some interesting like positive experiences too. Like um, it was funny. I remember like my mom like she loved to cook so like um, and she loved Nigerian food. Like my dad like I guess when they were together like she used, he used to cook her Nigerian food. So um, and then, like there was one weekend where like she like. I walk in the kitchen, and, like, she was making, like, oh, wow. Like, it was a boxed food she got at a store, and I was like, are you making, I was like, you're making stew and poo poo? She was like, yeah, I'm trying <laughs> out. And so, it was just, like, cool to see, like, you know, that culture fuse. Of course, it didn't taste nothing like that, but, you know, still, like, now, that's interesting to see her do that. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and then vice versa, like, my dad, like, we always just ate Nigerian food, except when he, like, fried pork chops and, like, french fries, like, once a month or something, but he was always just heating up, like, you know, big old, he'd make a big old pot of stew and then throw it in the fridge for the week. Um, but there was like one time, like, we walked in, like, he was uh, like attempting a fried chicken and we're like, oh, okay, it pops. And i like, yeah. So.
4: Yeah, Nigeria's always get fried chicken like that. The chicken is either boiled or, you know, grilled or something else. like Yeah,
2: you
3: know. throw it in the Fried dry. Like, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We still um, put like, you know, Maggie seasoning on it and everything. <laughs> like.
4: One thing you mentioned uh that I think is really prevalent is the whole superiority complex that Africans have. And that's one thing that was repeatedly every time a Nigerian entered the space, I they kept like kind of like not being honest with that aspect because I personally have heard and seen this, you know, not not just in my house but in general, right? Where Africans feel like they will say things like they're lazy, or they don't know how to apply themselves or all that other type of stuff. you know the same rationale that now they'll give when they're trying to defend Nigeria, like oh, we've had imperialism, all this this and that that's been holding that's held Nigeria back right if they don't really ever afford African Americans that same kind of grace in that way, so when you said that that really resonated with me, and I don't know if like if you've like f- like have you felt like a conflict there? like within that?
3: Within like some time. Yeah. Like, like I said, um, but like I said, it, it really goes both ways. Like, like I've been in rooms where like, I, I don't know, like, um, like being half black, like even, you know, within like sitting in a room within, like with, with Nigerians and everything being half black, like I still felt like, you know, like, um, Sorry, give me a chance to collect my thoughts. No problem. no problem. Yeah, so being half black and like sitting in a room like full of Nigerians, like sometimes like, you know, like I feel I still feel like left out and like, you know, so you know, someone might even say like, you know, oh, but you're not full Nigerian and like my dad one day, you know, said to us cuz like I think we told him that like someone told us that we we're only half Nigerian. He's like, "No, you're Nigerian. Like if I'm Nigerian, like you're Nigerian too." And so um But then on the flip side of that, too, like also being within like, you know, a black space, like and being like half Nigerian, like they just see me as African, you know, like they don't see me as half either. And like, you know, they're like, oh, you're African, you're an African booty scratcher. So like it just, you know, that's why I said a lot of times, like, you know, it's it's both ways. It's like no one is more right than the other one or no one is doing worse than the, the other person. Like we, you know, we're both cultures Sometimes tend to tear each other down, and at the end of the day, like again, we I feel like we all want people. Like some of us just you know up and moved, and the others didn't. Even like my dad, like um, like he told me that we have Brazilian, we have Brazilian roots in our family. Like our great 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 grandfather had you know was enslaved to Brazil, or like our family's enslaved to Brazil, and then our great 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 grandfather like migrated back to Africa. So. Even then, that's not even pure 100% like Nigerian. He might have not even, you know, came from, like, our, we might not have been Nigerian to begin with. Like, we might have just migrated back there and now we've adapted that culture. So, at the end of the day, like, it doesn't matter. I feel like it doesn't matter where that's we true. are in the world. Like, we're still black. Um,
1: I was going to say something about how, like, Africans kind of have this superiority complex. And I think it's because it's a lack of, knowledge about slavery and like how significant it is even till today like you know how you just be on twitter you be like oh this is racist did you know that back in slave times this this and this i'm like how is everything connected to slavery but people don't realize that slavery was much longer than we knew that it was um it affected like every aspect of life so just to say oh somebody's lazy or somebody's this like they're they have a lifelong history of trauma so like you can't just write them off just like that because you don't relate to that experience.
3: And then to add to that, like you said, like we're st- like us today, we're still like feeling the effects of the effects of slavery. Like just because like the chains, you know, were taken off and you know slavery was abolished, like black people were still oppressed and are still oppressed today. Like slavery just turned into Jim Crow, you know, which just turned into you know um, housing discrimination and you know the school to prison pipeline, like, it just, it just evolved into a different form, but it was still oppression. So, like, um, you know, even, like, my, like, my mom's family, like, grew up really poor and grew up, like, you know, within the crack pandemic. So, like, that right there, like, that drove Black families apart. And so, like, I agree, like, I feel like maybe Africans just don't know the extent, like, of, like, what slavery really did to us. And, like, even when you guys mentioned earlier, like, it really... Like made made us feel like we don't like. Thank God, like you know, like my dad's Nigerian. Like I'm able able to directly connect to Africa in that aspect. But on my mom's side, like I don't know where my mom's family from in Africa. A lot of people don't know where they come from in Afri- Africa. And so, and growing up in school, they taught us like Black history in school consisted of slavery. Like it never consisted of like who we who we were before slavery. Like, you know, like how to find your people before slavery and like what black people, you know, the positive things that black people did, you know, before the civil rights movement, you know. So it's just I feel like, you know, the African-Americans are just trying to figure out how to like there's just a big identity crisis like within our culture. And that impacts a lot. Like, how are you going to be able to be confident, confident That's in very who you sharp. are if you don't, if you don't know sharp. who you are? I-
2: not to go back think- oh. to this. Sorry, I have to interject. Not to go back to the superiority complex again. But I was just remembering one time me and Melody went to an ASA meeting, and the topic was once again like African and African Americans, the diaspora, such things like that. And it's kind of like where do Africans get this idea of like black people are lazy, black people are always on section A, black people are they don't do etc. And I think. It's just kind of been stereotypes that they see in like maybe movies, maybe media and things like that, and vice versa with Absolutely. black people. When they showed Africa, I remember in school vividly when they showed Africa, they would show just the poor part, kids with the bloated bellies, the fly landing on their eyes.
0: dancing on and the face. All
2: exactly. <laughs> so now like, I say, now crazy. I say I'm African, and they're like, why don't you look like that? This is how you look like when you're younger. And I'm just like, it's like ignorance both ways. And I just feel like, yes, overall, it's a lack of knowledge on both sides. They just don't know the true history of both cultures.
4: At the so. end of the day, the real enemy, not enemy, but the real anti-antagonist in this whole thing is the white power structure. So it influences <laughs> everything. All the way from Africa to those who did not leave, for to those who... Were taken and then redist- re you know repopulated in America, and the influence is heavy. So they influence media, they influence most of the economy. So all these ideas you're being fed about who is who and how they be- behave and all that type of stuff, it comes from the common antagonist. I mean, and I don't and, and I don't mean to antagon- say antagonist in terms of all white people, but the structure of itself it produces this. Mind frame and approach to people, you know, and we see it percolated through all peoples. I definitely agree. I think, like... Yeah. Oh.
2: Well, I, I think we need a look.
4: Go, Melody, yeah.
5: Sorry, I just want to say something. I, like, I wasn't able to kind of go back to our African versus AA conversation um, and, you know, the whole Twitter space thing. <clears throat> I am... I don't want to say I'm tired of it, but I'm a little bit tired of it because I think... I think this conversation was was good because it wasn't just like opinions, it wasn't just anger, it wasn't just feelings it wasn't just driven by emotion. I think there was a lot of you know facts and stuff like that that were you know backing up the arguments that were being made. But I feel like the years that that I, that have lev- led up to this, the conversations and the arguments that we've had, it just feels like there's no point because it's, it's just creating even more of a divide between us. Um, you know the children that we that we raise. I don't want to raise my child to believe that African-Americans are against us. I, I don't, I don't truly believe that. Um, I don't, on the flip side, if I was African-American, I wouldn't want my children to believe that Africans are against us. So I just feel like where we are right now, and I think we're in, we're at a privilege. We're at, a, at an advantage us because our generation, we're trying to undo the mindset that our parents, you know, they came from Africa with, um, you like Fiend said, you see it on, 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 on movies, you see it in social media you know, this, this image that is trying to be portrayed about both sides. And it's like, we're trying to unlearn that we're in school, we're educated, we're degreed. And, you know, we have the, the, the opportunity to unlearn things and to learn things about, like Nikki said, you see on Twitter about things that you didn't, we didn't learn this in school. Right. And I think it's great um, that we're having these conversations and I think healthy conversations need to be had. I think this is a really, really great healthy conversation because, you know, we get to see things from different points of view.
3: And it's so interesting because like, Prior to this hashtag that's trending, prior to this space, is like I didn't know this was a problem. Like I knew, like there was a div- like I said a, div- um, a divide within both cultures because I've experienced it too. But I didn't know it was like this severe. Like I didn't know like African Americans like felt that Africans were coming over here and taking their jobs. Like I didn't know that was going on. Like um, was in Nesby with me back in college, the National Society of Black Engineers. And we used to have, have you ever, did you go, you went to the national convention a couple times, right? I did. Yeah. And yes, like, at this national convention, like, you had hundreds, I would maybe even say maybe up to a thousand, like, black engineers, like, we were all black, and we were all like, either engineering students or engineering professionals. And we were African American, we were African, we were Hispanic, like, there was just so, it was a melting pot. And like, it was like the first time I had... Felt like, you know, growing up in Arizona, you know, Black is very scarce around here, especially growing up. It was the first time I felt like I belonged, especially in that engineering field, because I go, lie, I was struggling through college. <laughs> like, them classes was hard, and I didn't think I was going to graduate on time. And I was like, I need to switch my major. I'm a junior. I'm not gonna make it. And then um, I don't even know who told me. It might have been Francis. Was like, oh, come to Nesby, and I was like, what's Nesby? And then I heard they were having the national convention in Boston, which is where my family's from. And then ASU was funding the trip, so I was like, I'll just go make it a family trip, real quick. Went, <laughs> and I was like, I guess I'll show to the convention since ASU did pay for me to be here, and like. My mind was blown. Like I was re motivated. I was like, "Wow!" Like people like that look like me really can be engineers. Like, and like they're all like, you know, we're all honest about it. Like it is hard, you know. And like they had all these group meetings and study groups that, like, you know, like yeah, if you ever need help, like join this Facebook group. Like we meet every t- every day to go over some algorithm. Like it was a community. It was the first time I felt like you know it was a, like you know like I was a part of a community and like I was able to definitely succeed. <laughs> and like I said, it was all all types of black. Black people in that community, so I'm just shocked at this conversation. I didn't know, you know, like African Americans was feeling this type of way about Africans. Yeah, like,
4: man. I feel the same way because it showed me like how much hurt is going on in that African American, in a lot of it. I'm not saying most of it, but a lot of it. Like for example, before this, I was prepping and I was watching back on the on the spaces on on YouTube, and I was just scrolling through the comments. All of them were like Tariq speaking. This and that. Tariq, 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 Tariq preaching. And he, they were getting lots of likes on these comments. I'm like, wow, like this is a popular ideology, you know, which made me think like, okay, so many people can think a certain thing. Is, is there anywhere in this that there's, I can find some sort of justification for that like feeling of like, they're taking what belongs to us. Like, they came from there. Why can't why they stay there? I mean, we were already taken, and then they're coming over here, and they t- keep taking. What's going on? You I know? think
2: they, I mean, I'm not going to say like they I think we all should look at it from, like, a more positive perspective. I think Africans should acknowledge the pathways that black people were able to make for Africans to actually migrate over here to the U.S. And then the Africans that do come here and, you know, show that willpower and that drive. Because me and Phyllis were talking about this topic one time that Africans are less likely to see their color as a roadblock for things. If they want something, they're going to make sure they're going to achieve it. And now Black people are also starting to think that as well. Like, yes, I am Black, but you're not going to push me out of this space. So I feel like when we look at that positive aspect of this, I feel like Africans are making those spaces for all people of color and all blacks all Africans Jamaicans Haitians all that to be in those spaces here in America but my thing is we do not hear this conversation and and I mean I get it other races weren't as enslaved as black people but like in the Mexican community in the Asian community and other people of color like usually they like when people are when they migrate here or are born here and provide opportunities for people back home, they're celebrated for that or met with actually Japanese people whoa well, that's not side true. note side Mexican. note Japanese people were put in internment camps here in the U.S. So they were technically enslaved for a point, right? But when Japanese, from my own research, from what I've seen, when Japanese people do migrate here, they welcome them with open arms. Like, oh my gosh, it's someone else who looks just like me. It's not kind of like, oh, you're from the mainland and I'm here. We're separate, two separate people. I just feel like there needs to be a little bit more unity across the board.
4: I mean, you hear it with white people and Mexicans, right? Right, but
2: I'm talking about separation within an own race versus, like, two separate races. Okay, yeah.
4: got it, got it, got it. Okay, got
1: it. Um, I was just going to say, like, us um, children of immigrants, so, like, not that we were born, or even if we were born there when we grew up in the States, I feel like we identify as African American in a way. So, like, I feel like I'm more American than I am Nigerian a lot of times. So for for there to be such a divide, like for African-American people to look at me like, oh, he's African, da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, but I feel like I'm just like you. Like I grew up here, I speak English, we watch the same shows. It's like there's nothing different besides the fact that, okay, my family's from Nigeria. I mean, I even have African-American grandparents and family, so it's like, I kind of see both sides, but just for people to have that like, divide, divided mindset, and that stereotype, like, oh, you're African, you don't relate to this, you never experienced this, but I'm like, yes, I have experienced that, like, Mm -hmm. everything you went through, I went through, too, because we grew up in the same place, like, I didn't grow up in Africa, so, like, I am African, but
3: our experiences are still the same. It'd be the name, they see your name, they try to pronounce it, and they're like, oh, no, she... She alien. It's like, you know? She's she like, I was born in right there, right? Like she <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's like, no, I'm I'm American too. I was like, I'm actually half black. Yeah. So like I just but
0: have a Nigerian you know. name. Uh-huh. <laughs> so one conflict like um that I kind of go through sometimes is like like Nikki said, a lot of us here we grew up in the States, right? Like, you know, we're technically yeah. Nigerian Americans, yeah. like directly, right? And I feel like when we like go in our personal experiences every day, like we experience a lot of the same discrimination and a lot of the same experiences that like African-Americans do, but like growing up, like, I think like when we would like, you know, come around African-Americans, we'd have like kind of that discrimination from them. And then also from white people too. So it kind of be like a double whammy and it's like a confusion and it's like, who's really on my side. So I think a lot of people that like grew up, like we did sometimes like they kind of get that, like. I don't know, maybe they feel a way or something to African-Americans because of that. Because like when they came here, they kind of like felt like white people don't accept me. Like my own black people don't accept me either. So like they kind of feel a way about that. So I think if we kind of undo that and like kind of come to more of an understanding about that.
4: How
3: do we undo that though?
4: I don't know. It's a lot of work.
3: Honestly, I feel like... Like, the whole, like, you know, like you said, the African-Americans feeling like Africans are, like, coming over here and selling the jobs. Like, I feel like the anger is directed in the wrong direction. You need to turn in, like, at white people, once again, because, like, the reason why that, you know, Africans and Nigerians can come over here and just, like, excel and, like, kick butt is because of, like, the discipline that's instilled with them at a, in a very young age. Like, school, I didn't go to school in Nigeria. I know some people went to boarding school. But, like, from what I heard, like, it's hard. It's disciplined. It's hard. Like, it's rigorous. And that just prepares you to, like, you know, excel in anything like that because that's the mindset. They're like, you know, we're going to challenge you so, like, when anything comes your way, like, you know that you can succeed. And that's that same discipline is not taught here in America at all. Like, public school, a joke, you know, like, I breezed by it. I wasn't challenged in public school. I was really smart. And I was like, okay, Coca-Cola A's, like, you know, I'm finishing work early and I'm just Dilly-dally, and then when I got to college, and I really had to work, I was confused. I was like, "Why is this not coming easy?" And then, like later on in life, I learned this because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't challenged enough. Like I wasn't disciplined. Like what came easy yeah. came easy, and no longer comes anymore. And now the hard stuff is like really hard. And like you know, I'm struggling. So like I feel like if you know if we were set up in the same way here in, in here in America, like we would also be. Um, on that competitive level level to right. succeed and compete with, like, African I just to wanted to,
5: sorry, I just wanted to say something so. really quickly. Um, <clears throat> I think when we were having this conversation on FaceTime, I did say something along those lines of, um, you know, when you hear your, your parents and to parents talking about, oh, you know, I walked five miles to school and I was using lanterns to study in the nights, you know, things like that, where they had it really, really difficult for just to make it just to take jam just to, you know, certain, certain things like that where, they, it was like they had to go above and beyond because the 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 restrictions that they had are not the restrictions that we have, right? Their their system is against them, you know, and it's and it's even and it's even more difficult to to, to take in because it's your people, right? It's your people that are against you. The system is against you because they haven't built in a way that that benefits everybody except for the rich. So when you think about things like that, where they had to fight, they had to fight, they had to do certain things to get to where they are today, right? And and you know, you see people make it in life. You see that when, when there's people around you making it in life, it's going to propel you to want to do that the same as well. So I think on the flip side, when you're, when like, I mentioned this on the FaceTime in America, when you don't have those, obviously we do now, we hear things like, you know, um, you know, black magic and stuff like that because black people are doing amazing things, great, great things. But I think when you're, when, when the only thing you see around you is decay and like, it's an entropy, it's like, like how how do you, how can you do better for yourself? You know what I mean. Like um, um, until you fight that, and not just the people around you, but the system itself. It's built. It's built against you. So it's like there's there's two different worlds. Um, and so when you come here and you, and you see how like you know how things are set up, it's like how am I supposed to kind of maneuver this? So.